And our text assigned tonight is Exodus 21 through 24, and I'm going to read out Exodus 24, verses 1 to 11 for us. Let me read, and then I'll pray. Exodus 24, starting in verse 1. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel, who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven, for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. This is God's word. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, you are kind to give us your scriptures to instruct us and guide us and reveal yourself to us. And so we come to you now and ask that you would help us. Give me clarity of my own speech and boldness as I preach tonight and give us hearts ready to receive and to respond rightly. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been gathering together as God's people today, this morning, in our services, throughout our adult communities, and we've gathered again tonight as the family of God. Our passage tonight, though, is not necessarily about gathering, but it's about living. God is wanting his people to live for him. That's what this whole section of Exodus 19 through 24 is really about. See, God has saved his people so that they might serve him. God has rescued his people so that they might respond to him. God has liberated them from Pharaoh so that they might live for him in their lives. This is a rescued people. And now God is calling them to to commit themselves to a way of life, living for him, serving him, a life of worship. So as we think about this for us today as college church The reality is that as a rescued church, we need a renewed commitment to willing obedience. As a rescued church, we need a renewed commitment to willing obedience. Just follow with me a little bit in this whole section in 19 
through verse 24. Go back to chapter 19 with me. In chapter 19, verse 7, God has spoken words to Moses, and it says, Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And our text, as you heard read out back in chapter 24, after Moses again is reading the words that God had given to him in verse 3, the people respond this way, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And again, in 24 verse 7, after hearing this read again, the people respond in this way, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. You see, God has rescued his people and is calling them to willing obedience in response to this. And some might push back and say this was a rash decision, maybe not the right response for the people of God in light of who he is and in light of who they are. But the book of Deuteronomy actually gives us some interpretive lens. In chapter 5, as Moses is recounting what has happened in these chapters, talks about their response of hearing and wanting to do. And God says, this is good that they would respond in this way, that they might have a heart that fears me and that obeys me all of their life. A rescued people is called into willing obedience in response to their salvation. This whole section, God is establishing a covenant with a nation. And we're going to flow through it here in kind of three movements. First, there's a book from God, and there's a bond with God, and then there's beholding of God. What do I mean this book from God? If you look at verse 7 of 24, it talks about this book of the covenant, the words that the Lord has spoken and the rules that God had given his people. This is really summing up the Decalogue, the 10 words, the 10 commandments that God spoke to his people. And then really chapters 21 through 23 described as this book of the covenant that God is speaking to his people to shape the life and the community life of his people, their communal living. So God is giving his people a book, a book from God intended to shape how the people is to live with one another. And so in chapters 21 through 23, that's what we're going to think, a a book from God that is intended to shape how the people are to live. How is this book broken down? This book of the covenant is broken down first in a way of living in chapter 21 through 23, 19. See, God gives these case laws or these civil laws that were intended to shape the people of Israel and give them a way in which they were to live. Not going through each section, we can talk through threads or themes that really emerge from this section, this way of living that God has called for his people. First, there's a call for provision and protection for the vulnerable, whether it was vulnerability based off of their social status or whether it is vulnerability because of physical injury, God had called for a care and a protection and provision for those people. But it wasn't just that. God was calling his people to honor and to respect life and the way that they were relating to one another and responding to one another. And if they were in arguments against one another or treating one another poorly, they were called to honor and respect life and relationships. There's sections where it calls for the people of God to make restitution 
in the situations in which they are in, or according to Dr. Riken, making things right in the community of faith. It's not just this protection and care for the vulnerable or honoring and respecting of life. They were to show no partiality. That from the rich to the poor, there was to be no partiality in this community. That was to shape how they were to live and interact with one another. So God is calling his people to show no partiality between one another. To uphold justice and integrity, to treat one another with with fairness, and to have an exclusive worship of God and daily life. This was a way of living that they were called to respond in obedience, but it wasn't just a way of living through these case laws. It was also a word of promise at the end of chapter 23, where God promises that an angel would come and go before the people of God and lead them into the promised land, taking care of them, defeating their enemies, and ultimately bringing about blessing and benefit as they enter into the land. It was a way of living for the people, but also a word of promise for the people in which God would take care of them and protect them. But just as the way of living was to be responded to in obedience, so too this word of promise calls for obedience from the people in their life and in their community. A book from God meant to shape the community of God and is to be received in obedience from the people. But how are we to understand this book of laws for us as the church here today? Well, first, we need to think about how it was related to them in this section of where the people were. See, they were coming out of Egypt. They were going into a new land, and these laws, these rules were to make the people of God distinct. They were to make them different from the other nations. So our context is saying that that these rules, these laws were to shape the people of God and make them different and distinct from the other nations. Not only that, God had said, I want to bring them out so that they might worship me. These rules, these ways that were shaping the community was a response of worship to God for the well-being of the community of faith, but also for their witness to the other nations that they were going to live among. So how does this connect with us, though? Moving into the New Testament, we hear words from Jesus where he sums up the law, and he sums it up in this way, love God and love neighbor. Jesus also said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So it was summed up by Jesus. It was fulfilled by Jesus. But also the law's patterns and principles are actually transformed and then applied to the new covenant people of God. So how does this section of, of rules and laws meant to shape the people of God apply to us today? Well, God spoke then and God has spoken ultimately to us in Jesus And Jesus is the embodiment and the the fulfillment of his word and of his ways. And not only does Jesus fulfill it, but Jesus has spoken himself in his own teaching, but also through his apostles for us, has set down for us as the church a, a way of living in the New Testament before us. You see, God still calls us to provide for and protect the vulnerable, James 1. God still calls us to make right with one another, Matthew 5. God still calls us to show no partiality between the rich and the poor. God still calls us to meet the needs of one another in the community of faith. God still calls us to an exclusive worship of God. 
You see, in Exodus, God is speaking his word, his commands, his laws to shape how they were to interact with one another. And we too, through the teaching of Jesus and his apostles, we have God's word to shape our community of faith. And we as the church need a renewed commitment to hear the words of God and respond with willing obedience. Well, in Exodus, God does not just speak or set down rules to shape the community. God also, in chapter 24, he confirms this covenant that he's established with Israel. A book from God, but this is now moving into a bond with God. There's a bond between God and Israel, and it's confirmed here and sealed by this covenant ceremony. Just a few comments on this section of Scripture. First, this is the initiative of God. See, God is laying down instructions for his people. God is initiating this conversation with his people. And even in verse 8, it says, the covenant that the Lord has made with you. You see, God is initiating this relationship and is setting the terms, instructions by God and a covenant made by God. But it's not just God's initiative. We see this response of the people that we've already mentioned and talked about. This willing obedience. All that God has said, we will do. All that God has said, we will do and we will obey. But right in the middle of that, it's not just this response of the people, but it's the blood of the covenant. See, Moses and and these young men who were selected offer these burnt offerings and peace offerings And then they sprinkle blood upon the altar as stones are represented and laid up around the altar, representing this relationship between God and his people, the altar, the presence of God, these stones, the people of God, the 12 tribes, and blood is sprinkled upon the altar. And then blood is taken and sprinkled upon the people. What are we to make of this blood? What are we to make of this burnt offering and of this peace offering? What is a picture of of atonement? Blood on the altar to atone for sins. Blood that is cleansing for the people of God. But it's not just blood on the altar, but it's blood on the people that is meant to picture this, this union between Israel and the people of God. There is a bond that is being established with the nation of Israel here atonement and cleansing and this bond, but also that the people would be sprinkled and consecrated and set apart now to live for God, not just in relationship with him, but now in relationship called to live, set apart to live for him. The blood of the covenant, this bond that is established and throughout this whole thing, the book that we have already talked about was, was described to the people and said from the words of Moses, written down for them and then read again for the people so that they might respond again and hear what they are to do and how they are to live. But tightly connected with this bond, this ceremony, in verses 9 through 11, we have a beholding of God. There's this meal that is shared. Not only covenant ceremony, but a covenant meal and this picture of intimacy and relationship. They see God. They behold God. They enjoy fellowship with God over this meal. In some shadow and some form, they are with the living God and they see him. 
But who is it that is there? It's simply the representatives. It's not all the people that are there. Only Moses can ultimately go up to the top of the mountain. This is a beautiful moment where they're sharing a meal with God, but it is a limited beauty, a shadowed beauty. It's a pattern, ultimately, of what is to come. So thinking about this bond that is established and the beholding of God through this meal with the people, how are we to think about this as the church? Well, while the response is right and good of the people, all that the Lord has said we will do, it was short-lived for Israel. And while this meal reveals a beautiful moment of Moses and the elders with God, it's a limited meal. It's a shadow of something much greater. The problem was that this covenant made with the people of God was a shadow of one to come, the new covenant. And this moment in Israel's history was laying down a pattern and laying down a picture of what Jesus would bring. They beheld God, but in a limited way, in shadow way, a limited group of people. But Jesus came and he dwelt among us and he revealed the glory of God. God and in Jesus's life and ministry he gathers his followers right before his own death at a table for another meal it is the institution of the Lord's supper and in that moment Jesus almost quotes Moses as he lifts up the cup of wine but instead of saying this is the blood of the covenant in Matthew 27 says Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant. You see, the blood of the covenant in Exodus 24 was preparing the way for Jesus' blood that ushers in and confirms the new covenant for the people of God. And the book of Hebrews is helpful for us. See, as this new covenant has been ushered in through the blood of Jesus, his blood, Hebrews 10 assures us that in this new covenant, God will remember our sins no more. And God will do what? He will write his law on our hearts and minds by the power of the Spirit. In the new covenant, there is real forgiveness. There is real Spirit-empowered obedience. I wonder this evening if you have been sprinkled by his blood. The blood of the new covenant where there's real cleansing from sin and real atonement, real forgiveness, and complete union, binding us to God. Not only bound to God, but consecrated to God, now set apart to serve Him as people who now have the law of God written upon our hearts, empowered by the Spirit to obey. So I wonder tonight, what commands of God that are meant to shape our communal living, are you hesitant or resistant to obey? It was a good response that they had in Exodus 24. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will hear and we will obey. They did not have the law written upon their hearts as we do in the new covenant. And so I wonder, are you resisting the call to willing obedience? God's calling us as the church to a renewed commitment to willing obedience because we have been bound to God through the blood of Jesus, his son. 
And think about what we did this morning as we partook and celebrated of the Lord's Supper. We're reminded that in the shed blood of Jesus, the blood of the new covenant, his blood through which we find full forgiveness and we bring our failures to him and we spiritually feed upon him in faith and we find spiritual renewal. But every time we take of the Lord's Supper, we're also to be reminded that we walk away with a renewed commitment to willing obedience to God who has shown us great mercy. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. As we come to Jesus and we recognize our failures and inability, yet we come to him and are renewed and called again to renewed obedience that we might say all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. This meal that we partake of regularly, the Lord's Supper, this meal that they experienced on Exodus in, er, in, in Exodus 24 on Sinai, it's really pointing us to a final meal, that those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ will one day gather around and participate, all people who are covered, all pe- people who have the shed blood of Jesus upon them will enjoy this eternal feast and this meal with God. We do have the Lord's Supper to renew our commitment to God now. And we long for and look forward to that one day when we will eat with God, see him face to face, and behold him forever. Chapter 24 ends with this picture of Moses going up into the mountain to enter into a cloud to continue to hear from God, moving us into this new section. And when not only will God speak, but something new will happen with the people of Israel, where God will start to come down and dwell with his people. Not only does God want them to live for him, but God wants to live with them. And so come back next week and we will continue to hear more about God's great work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look to you by faith in the Son of Jesus and his shed blood on our behalf. We thank you that there is full forgiveness of our sins, and we pray that you would renew us by the power of your Spirit to a renewed commitment to willing obedience, to say all that you have commanded us, all that you have said to us that we will do, that that would shape this community and our living together as your people, reflecting your holiness for our well-being, but also for our witness in the world. And so we worship you tonight, and we praise you through Jesus Christ. Amen.